When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, a sound like the blowing of wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the other parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. Pentecost, Whitson. It's always occupied something of an awkward spot in the church calendar, hasn't it? Christmas has been adopted culturally as an important celebration each year. Easter, at least within the church, is seen as being absolutely pivotal. But Pentecost, Pentecost, though a watershed moment in human history, it's, it's neglected, it's misrepresented, it's possibly even feared by Christians. Briefly this morning, I want to help us to see that Pentecost is all about the power of God being given to the church in order that the church might achieve the purpose of God. And this morning as well, as we look a little bit more closely at it, I hope it helps us to understand what that purpose is. The presence of God here amongst his people. How is Pentecost about the power of God unleashed then? Well, that's exactly how Jesus puts it when he promised the disciples Pentecost before his ascension. Wanting to know the ins and the outs of what lay before them, the disciples in Acts chapter 1 began to quiz the risen Jesus. But Jesus simply replies like this, It's enough for you just to wait. To wait and to trust and to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And in the passage that we've read together this morning, that's exactly what we witnessed, isn't it? Power unleashed. A miraculous thing taking place. These disciples who were uneducated from one specific region, all of a sudden being able to speak the languages of a myriad of different people. The Holy Spirit comes on the believers and power immediately is experienced in their lives. But not just power in the sense of things that they are able to do, but power in terms of the impact that it has as well. When you consider that this bunch of 120 or so believers, they were part of what was essentially seen as a defeated movement. 
And yet by the end of the chapter, they've gone from 120 to 3,120. You do the maths, that's a 25 time fold increase in one morning. When the Holy Spirit all of a sudden is involved in their lives, huge, powerful things happen. It's the exact same pattern that we witnessed in Jesus' life. That Jesus lived for 30 years without much incident. Went out to meet John, was baptised, the Holy Spirit came and all of a sudden his ministry exploded. The things that he did, the, the lessons that he taught, the, the people who came and followed him. In fact, if we look at all of the scriptures, we see this same pattern that when God is involved in anything in history, it's his power unleashed by the Spirit. You think of creation. God about to speak everything into existence and it's the spirit that's there hovering and waiting and then acting. You think about those saints of old who are called by God to accomplish something special and it's his spirit that he fills them with in order to do that. Pentecost then is this picture, this snapshot of a moment when God's power was unleashed by the coming of the spirit. Power in terms of the miraculous nature of it, but power as well in terms of what was being achieved through it. But we'll do well this morning to note that it isn't just senseless power that is released. Like when a garden hose has been turned on too high and it's flailing around and there's just water shooting in any and every random direction. It's power unleashed with a specific purpose. Remember when Jesus made that promise that Pentecost would come, bringing the, the Spirit's power amongst his followers. He also said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And immediately at Pentecost, that is where we see the direction of this power leading his followers. The disciples aren't transported off miraculously somewhere else, although if you keep reading the book of Acts, you will find some of that. But we have this miraculous event at which folks from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, or as in Acts 2 language, from every nation under heaven. That great crowd is gathered together and they hear. They hear the wonders, they hear the great deeds that God has done. You see, Pentecost isn't about miracles for miracles' sake. When the Spirit comes and it comes on the church, it equips the church in order that they could witness about Jesus to all and every who have ears to hear. When Peter we'll look at this in the coming weeks, stands up and gets the, the chance to address this multilingual, multicultural group, this crowd. He declares the great news of Jesus' death and resurrection in their place. The purpose of this power unleashed is that they might witness, witness to everyone about Jesus. But that's, that's still not even the full extent of it. The purpose of the power unleashed in the church to witness to what Jesus has done. If we delve a little bit deeper and we see that God has a greater purpose in all of this. If you like, what I've described so far is just the church's role of witnessing. The purpose, well the purpose is this. 
the presence of God amongst the people of God. The presence of God is really actually easy to miss in this passage. We read about it. We read about the Spirit coming. We read about them being filled with the Spirit. We understand that the Spirit is as much a person of the Trinity as the Father or as the Son. But the fullness of what's going on here escapes us. I mean, there's lots of details Luke could have included in his Pentecost account. Lots of things that he could have included, but he didn't. So it's really important to pay attention to the details that he does include. And two of the things that he includes is this awesome sound that they hear and this wonderful thing that they see. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. More than that, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Sound and sight, wind and fire. This is a description of God showing up. This is a description of God being present in a special way. Take a moment and think. Where else in the scriptures do we read about people experiencing thunder and and loud noises and wind? People experiencing columns and pillars of fire fire and flashing light. Well, there's quite a few places actually. You think of Moses at the burning bush when he encounters God. There is a flame right there. There is fire right there. Or later in the Exodus story when he goes up Mount Sinai to to receive the law, to seal the covenant between God and this newly um, minted nation Israel. It's filled with loud, terrifying blowing. It's filled with flashes of thunder and of fire and bright and glorious light. When the tabernacle is established, there's this pillar, this cloud of fire that sits in the middle of it. When the temple is consecrated in in, um, Solomon's day, it's a similar picture, it's a similar experience. Time and time and time again, when God shows up, when he presences himself in a very special way to dwell with people, to reveal himself to be with people, there there are these twin things of this wonderful noise and this awe-inspiring, terrifying fire and light. So what we have happening here in Pentecost, as power is unleashed so that the church could be a witness to all people, we need to see is so that God can come and is dwelling amongst his people. Where they are now, God is with them by spirit. And when you stop and you think about that, that is a summary description of what you could give for the entire scriptures, isn't it? That the Bible is the story of God doing what is necessary in order that he might reside with his people. That we might not live separated any longer because of sin, but that we might be together in one place. And so this description of Pentecost that we have here from Luke is that when the Holy Spirit comes and unleashes that power, it's also the realisation in and of itself of the purpose of God for God to come and dwell amongst his own. That's why later in the New Testament, 
Paul and Peter and, and others can refer to the church, to the church as the temple of God, built with living stones. Not because we're a place, we're a people amongst which sacrifices are offered, but because we are a place where God, by his spirit, now resides, where his presence is known in a special and unique way, where he is genuinely amongst his people. And his purpose, here realised, is seen as well, not just in, in the presence of God, but the presence of God amongst his people and the identity of that people revealed in Pentecost. Sometimes we can um, outline it, sometimes we can summarise it, sometimes we can speak about it as if God intended to dwell specially amongst a select niche few. But that was never the purpose. That's a misunderstanding of the scriptures because God has always planned, always desired to go out and to be amongst all the peoples of this world. We've been considering in our rooted groups, haven't we, most recently, um, the letter to the Ephesians and how God chose and blessed in particular Abraham and his family, but not to the exclusion of anyone else, saw that blessing, that very same blessing could multiply and go out even further. That those who were outside previously in Christ could be brought into the family of God. And the people of God, in whom the Spirit has come to reside, the church is far wider. It's far broader than we often give it credit for, isn't it? In this passage, there's this great long list. These various tongues and languages and nationalities that are spoken of and spoken out loud by the disciples. They're all invited, drawn in to be a part of it. Skip to the end of the chapter and they do become a part of it. The whole point of uh, the letter to the Ephesians is what we see here in Acts chapter 2. That they would see that there are different classes of Christians. But that through Jesus and unleashed in us by the Spirit is one and the same access to God. You see, Pentecost to us is power unleashed for a purpose. And that purpose is the presence of God amongst God's varied people. So why is this important then? Why shouldn't it be left on the shelf at arm's length and we just concentrate on Christmas and Easter? Well, let me give you two reasons. I'm sure there are more. And over the coming weeks, we're going to carry on in Acts chapter 2. Peter's explanation of what's going on here and how the church is affected by what happens at Pentecost. But let me just give you two quick things, two quick reasons why this is ever so important for us this morning. It helps us to see why purity amongst Christians in the church is so, so important. Sometimes we can think of living in a particular way, following a set of rules um, as being a, a negative thing. That somehow Christianity having this moral, ethnic, um, ethical code it, it is a bad thing, is a negative thing. Um, 
But here we realise why purity amongst God's people is such an important thing. It's not because we want to earn God's presence. That if we clean ourselves up, that if we make ourselves right and proper, then he can come and dwell with us. That's not what happens here. The people are gathered, the Holy Spirit descends. In all of their muck, in all of their bewilderment, in all of their fear, in all of their disbelief, in all of their religiosity, in all of their self, whatever is going on, the Spirit of God turns up. Now this story shows us that purity matters not because we want to earn God's presence, but because by his Spirit we have his presence. You see later in the book of Acts, actually, some really serious stories where people neglect this, where people lie to one another, where people lie, it says, to the Holy Spirit. And they, well, the consequences are pretty dire. The consequences are pretty grave. But if we are the temple of God, if we are the place in which God resides, then that means we should be a holy people. We should be a pure people. That how we live, how we conduct ourselves is important, not so that we can carry God's favour, but because God has come by his spirit to reside in us and amongst us. That's the first thing. Pentecost is really important because it shows us that we are the dwelling place of God and that means our lives should be set apart for him. But more than that, Surely it shows us that we should be a people who are keen to use and enjoy the gift of God. I think we're very good at recognising God's gifts in our lives in big ways and small ways sometimes, especially in the big ways as evangelicals. We think about the gifts that God has given us and we, we appreciate the ability to use them. Things like his word, the Bible, you know, we, we realise that this is a gift to us that his will, that his character is revealed in it, and so we revere it. We come before it often. We let it rule our lives and dictate our thoughts and our hearts and our desires because we recognise it's a gift from God, so we use it rightly. We think about the gift of the gospel, the fact that he has opened our eyes to see the truth, the good news of Jesus coming, of living, of dying, of rising to life again. We, we take that and we treasure it, we honour it, we seek to share it because we know it's a good gift and we want to use it properly. We think even of the good works, thinking back to Ephesians, that God has prepared for us in advance. We see the value in them. We were thinking last week about how we are called in Christ's footsteps to be a compassionate people who see and care and act. And we do that. We have things going on all over the place. Um, uh, spoken about big things and just little incidental things that each of us do day in day out because the love of God has been shown to us and we want to share it with others but we're slow we're slow to realize the gift of God himself the indwelling the equipping the encouraging of the spirit in his people you see, without the Spirit, we are nothing. Without the Spirit, the church is just huddled together in that house, in that upper room, still waiting for what is next. But the Spirit comes, the Spirit equips, the Spirit empowers, and it changes everything. I read this quote this week by John Stott. 
a description of why Pentecost is so important to the church and to Christians to recognise, to utilise and to enjoy the gift of God's own self by his spirit. This is what he wrote. There can be no life amongst us without the life giver. There can be no understanding in us without the spirit of truth. There can be no fellowship amongst us without the unity of the Spirit. No Christ-like character apart from the Spirit's fruit. And no effective witness without his power. I love that. Because John Stott is looking at everything that we take for granted. All of these good things that are the outworking, the outcome in our lives because God by his Spirit dwells in us. That's why Jesus said, it's better if I go, because one is coming who is going to give you life, who is going to lead you into understanding, who is going to bring you closer together than you ever imagined, who will help you not just to see me, but to be like me, the one who will give you the words that you need to speak in order to go out and witness for my sake. A simpler way of putting it might be this. A body without breath is just a corpse. And so the church or Christians without the spirit is dead. Pentecost should be a regular fixture in our calendar, in our celebrations, in our considerations. With Christmas and the incarnation, with Easter and the death and resurrection of Jesus, the atonement that goes on there. But because because Pentecost helps us who are dead spring to life, to new, powerful, purposeful life. God is here. God is in us. God is amongst us, transforming us. So let us not keep on walking as if that is not the case. Let's let's make use of God in us and let's enjoy the gift of God himself by his spirit. Lord God, we thank you for Pentecost. We thank you that this of all events helps us to see and to recognise and to celebrate that you are not a standoffish, far away God, but that you are a God whose desire in Christ was to draw near, to make a way so that we might be fit for you. Lord, help us to pursue purity not as a means of impressing you or enticing you, but because we have you, because you are that special a God, because the spirit in us is that special a gift that we have to live transformed lives. I thank you that the testimony of the church is that the spirit who lives amongst us changes us and makes us more into Christ, that pure, perfect humanity. Lord, I pray for it not just to be an idea spoken about in the scriptures, but a reality lived out here in Hanford. And oh Lord God, I pray that we would have a greater appreciation of that gift, a greater enjoyment of, a greater sense of speaking about and operating in the, in the light of the fact that we have the Spirit, that the Spirit has come, 
The Spirit is equipping. The Spirit is leading. The Spirit is uniting. The Spirit is breathing life into our deadness. Help us not to be a church that ignores the Spirit, but cherishes your presence amongst us by the Spirit. In all of this we pray that we would be lifting up and glorifying your precious name. Amen.